like the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. And this is part three of the Undertaker's Creek podcast series. And it's WrestleMania 9 when he takes on Jai Gonzalez. And this match, and the WrestleMania itself, is probably one of the weirdest WrestleManias of probably ever. But in terms of the match itself, it's generally going to be the worst one. Uh, Bundy comes very close to that. Yeah, it's it's definitely a, a difficult experience to sit through. Yes, um, but luckily all the early Undertaker matches are no more than like eight minutes, so at yeah. least the start. Um, so with this one, it's um, after he faces Jason State Roberts, uh, Undertaker kind of starts doing a feud by proxy with Harvey Wibberman. Um, Harvey Wibberman, Undertaker faces Kamala at SummerSlam, and also the Survivor Series, and beat them both times. And then, at the Warrior Woman with Indicators in the match, and Hoverman gets, debuts Giant Gonzalez to take Undertaker, and Bush with what the interference, Undertaker gets eliminated from the Rumble. So, that's pretty much the whole status for this match. Um, one thing that with WrestleMania 9 is that this is the first outdoor one that they did, and they don't go out over 15 years after that. Which right, is, <laughs> right. Especially because WrestleMania 8 was like the second time they were in a, like a really big stadium. So to go down from like 62,000 to probably about probably 15,000, 16,000 seems to be an unusual decision by WWE, whether because they weren't always wanted to go to Vegas or it might be just yeah, I you know I wrote about WrestleMania night extensively for uh, the first issue of the Atomic Elbow a few years ago, and um, it was really an interesting kind of historical study um, because it, it really looked um, that they, they you know they, it was the first time they applied a theme to a major show um, with the whole Caesar's Palace Roman Coliseum motif. Um, I, I think they knew at the time they couldn't fill something like the Silver Dome or Sky Dome or the Hoosier Dome or even, you know, they couldn't, they were saving Madison Square Garden for the next year for WrestleMania 10. Um, but, you know, visually this one stands out a lot from, you know, like WrestleMania 7 or 11 uh, or 13. Um, it's definitely, you know, even just switching to the black and gold ropes was a jarring change because every show before then it had the common red, white, and blue scheme. Um, so this, this kind of going to the open air venue, taking a, a specific theme, um, you know, linked to the site of the event is an important step in the evolution of WrestleMania as it relates to all of the other, uh, WWF, WWE shows. I mean, now, you know, you, you know, I mean, we remember the last year with the New York city theme and the, the Miami set up the year before that, obviously they're going to have something special for New Orleans this year. Um, but thinking about it, 
now, you know, back then, you know, it really was. It was new. It was. It was an experiment, and there was a lot of it that didn't succeed. But there, there are definitely some things from the show that you can see the seeds of what we've come to expect today as traditional for WrestleMania. Yeah, I, think, I think so. It's very. Um, I mean, for, first of all, because it's in Seeds of Past Las Vegas, so everyone's wearing like togas and commentators are. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually Jim Ross's first ever Doctor Lee event that he commentates on. Yes. And at that time he left uh, WCW because I was waiting here Bischoff took charge and he thought, like, I'm off. Goes to um, WWE. And I think that, that's going to be a tremendous pressure to go, yeah, your first yeah, your first event is going to be WrestleMania. Yeah, that was a, definitely a big thing and they were, you know, that was another thing was, was to debut somebody new like that was a kind of... Um, you know, it was just different. They really went kind of out of the way. You know, they opened with an Intercontinental title match. Um, that was a new thing. Uh, the, you know, this is the first WrestleMania where there are um, entrances that are different from the normal. I, I, you know, when we talked about WrestleMania eight, and the only real distinction of the Undertaker's entrance there was it was just a long walk to the ring. But here he's got the the gargoyle. You know, he's got or the the bird and the chariot and the whole thing. Um, it's really kind of the first iconic Undertaker WrestleMania entrance, and it's really one of the first unique WrestleMania entrances ever, other than, you know, like Lex Luger's earlier in the show. Yeah, because that's when he comes out with the, uh, the mirrors, the girls carry the mirrors, yeah. and uh, when he poses, the will fireworks pop out the mirrors. That's, that's a nice visual. Exactly. Yeah, um, so... Um, Giants comes out first, and we've got to talk about what the Giants does as is wearing because I don't understand it. <laughs> it. It seems to be a very risque thing to wear. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I wasn't at all familiar with uh, Giant Gonzalez in his WCW run as El uh, Gigante, <laughs> so he was certainly new to me when I saw him at the Royal Rumble, um, and I think they tweaked the outfit a little bit between January and March. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's this whole full body, bodysuit thing, um, with strategically placed hair, you know, airbrushed muscles. I'm, I yet to fully understand what they were going for with this. And I think that's, you know, uh, I don't think the character was really had a significant chance of succeeding in the long run anyway. Um, and so maybe it was good that they only brought him in to, to have this tiny program with the undertaker. But the outfit wasn't doing him any favors for his long-term prospects. No, I don't think it did. Um, yeah, so when he comes out with Oliver Ruffman, and then Undertaker comes out, and the commentators along with Jim Walsh is Bobby Heenan and the Macho Man Randy Savage. Yep. And one thing um, that Savage says, which seems really interesting, that he says, well, you're saying about Undertaker that a dark person could shed somewhat light in the world because the crowd, it does seem to be a usual thing that, Is the fan you know, love that kind of character, right? And you know, it's quite a thing to say. Yeah. It starts with sorry, you got to say something. No, no, good. Um, from the match starts with him having to stare down. Uh, Giant hits some forearms, but Taker is go, going through the early no selling thing. Um, pretty much, to be honest, there's, there's like two wrestling moves in this match. There's a lot of punching and. Uh, one of the hits a few white hands, and then Jai applied a blazing chokehold and takes to the corner. 
um, and then take it to go to the second rope and get hit in the gut. And JR says it's a cheap shot, and I figured to myself, uh, kind of wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, Taker does the old school for the first time in the WrestleMania match, uh, but he goes down with a clothesline, which is the well. I think you can kind of count the old school as the first wrestling move of this match. Right. And then take uh, Dad does it first wrestling move of this match with a clothesline, and then he throws Undertaker and then applies over first chin lock. And I don't get why we do West Hold after what about two and a half minutes. Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure about that. Yeah, um, all, it, it gets worse in the main event. Yeah. <laughs> there's nobody West, nobody West Brew in that one. Um, so, and one thing he just says as well is that uh, he says that Undertaker's been taken apart, and I'm thinking to myself, not really, because yeah. he's been punched, <laughs> and he's been close-lined. Yeah, you know, it was still so early in his career, and he'd been he'd been built as the the unstoppable monster from his uh, you know his early days into his his face turn right before WrestleMania eight, and um, you know even at the Royal Rumble, he he eliminated four guys in uh, just four just a little bit longer than four minutes before Gonzalez came out and just just assaulted and kind of dominated him, which was really, um, you know, fairly unheard of at the time, because he was, I mean, he never had any serious opponents. Like you mentioned, he had the the Kamala feud, but Kamala was never a monstrous threat on the level of Gonzalez, at least the way they portrayed him. Yeah, I mean, um, they're both, like, big guys, but obviously Giant is, like, eight foot. Yeah. So, um, he's the, and obviously Take a six ten, but you know, eight was still one massive height. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, Taker looks unconscious, and the referee does the three on count, but Taker arm stays up to first attempt. Uh, Taker managed to get up, and Jerry falls him out the ring. At this time, Rickman decides to distract the ref so that Giant can bang on the Taker's head off the step, and then send him flying into it. And probably one thing you probably with the rest wrestling you get. Day because there's very few managers, but when that happens, like, why do you why do you need to strap the ref kind of thing? Yeah, because you're you know it's some stuff that happens normally. <laughs> yeah, this you know watching matches this old is um you know it's it's really an indication of how much the style has changed the the wrestling style has changed since then. Yeah, you know, there's that's one of the problems that the show suffers from is the consistency, both in the. I mean, first of all, um, you know, the the first match ends by it's a title match, but it ends in a countout when Shawn Michaels yeah. leaves, and then the the tag team title match is supposed to end is going to end the same way, but the referee in the middle of the match announces that uh, Money Incorporated has to return to the ring or they'll lose their their titles, which. You know, you wonder to yourself, well, why could, you know, why would that happen? But uh, they wouldn't do the same thing in the, you know, in the Intercontinental title match. And then there's, I want to say there's an instant replay at the end of the, or, you know, referee comes out from the back at the end of the tag title match to to disqualify um, Hogan and Beefcake. But there's no official to come out from the back to disqualify 
Bret Hart, or Yokozuna, at the end of his title match with Bret Hart. And, you know, the, the, to have three, all three title matches on the show, plus the Undertaker match, end with, uh, you know, disqualification or, or what intentional countout or some sort of screwiness, and that's more than half the card. That's just, I mean, it's borderline inexcusable at this point. Uh, yes, it is. I mean, obviously, talking about the um, another match we have to bad officiate is the Dory uh, Clown match because oh yeah, Dory does, do, does the um, what we refer to as twin magic now that the better twins do right. Um, wins the match, and the referee comes out. Actually, one thing up is the same referee who's doing the take a match in this one, but I don't know the guy's name because it's like big mustache, so it's, it's, it's not really hard to miss. Yeah. Um, he comes out like going and goes to the referee, oh no, don't cheat it, but they can't, they can't find the, um, the other clown. So yeah, I mean, it's efficient. And also with the um, tag team title match, I get what, I get two things about that. I know you're talking about Money Inc. leaving and the referee going, why right, if you do that, you're going to lose your titles. But that's how Money Inc. Uh, kept their titles at the last WrestleMania. Yeah. When they faced, the, when they faced the National Disaster. So I kind of, it kind of flew back to the past, like, oh, no, you're not doing this. What is going on? You're not doing this two WrestleManias in the world. Right. It, it just, you know, this is the kind of thing that could have been established as a pre-match, um, you know, stipulation. To have it happen yeah. on the fly, just, it just, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, no, it doesn't. Um, I thought, well, I can relate to that because, A, WrestleMania is my first, obviously the first WrestleMania I watched, I don't remember bits of it. And, um, well, obviously I watched eight, but I couldn't before I watched WrestleMania 9 because I got, like, a box set. When right. I so obviously like, oh yeah, I remember that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, back in the match. Um, wait, um, the match goes back into the um, wing, and Giant knocks him down twice, but Taker gets up each time. They start exchanging punches, but Undertaker gets the upper hand, and Giant goes down on one knee. Now, this because you, you probably know this, this history a bit more than I do. Um, was that the first time that Giant? I would assume so. I, I mean, I don't recall that he wrestled anybody of any significance um, in between. Uh, you know, he may have. I I can't imagine that he would have. Uh, there might have been a a match on a prime time or something that was technically not a, a straight job match, but um, you know, it wouldn't have been against anybody who posed a legitimate challenge. Yeah, because obviously Rickman goes to Plan B um, in the match. Uh, goes from the way into the strap uh, Taker grabs him, but in the process, Ripper managed to throw in a napkin. Yeah. Um, at this point, this is when it gets weird because yeah. Sarah goes over the apron, Giant runs over and headbutts him for no reason. Right. Ripper <laughs> um, managed to get loose, uh, Giant grabs a napkin and smothers Taker with it. And the referee doesn't disqualify destroy, 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 destroy him right away. Yeah. Um, you know the the announce crew can tell what's going on. They can they can smell the that it's you know the this the insinuation is here that it's chloroform. I didn't pay close enough attention to know if the people around the ring were if they had actually brought in a smell or if it was just up to Ross Heenan and Savage to sell it. But they um, you know they clearly <laughs> were were saying what was supposed to be happening, and um, you know it, it if. As I wrote in my my Atomic Elbow article, it seems if you attempt to literally murder your opponent, you should probably be disqualified without the benefit of a five count. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because um, 
because one thing I found weird is that um, I've got a chemistry degree, so I've dealt with chloroform, and it's pretty strong stuff. Yeah. But A, I'm finding out that I don't think the smell could travel. But I know, like, at this time, um, this might, I can't remember, this might be the first WrestleMania where the commentators are at the side, not, like, up in the rafters or whatever. Um, so I don't think the smell would travel that far. Right. But even if it did travel that far, I'm pretty sure the ref would have noticed it because it's a lot closer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so Heenan and, and Wass and Savage are going on about the smell. Um, the referee eventually starts the five count, but he doesn't even go to five. Right. He rings the bell um, at when he gets to four. He goes one, two, three, four. You know what? You're just trying to find Yeah. Um, so that's it. Um, Taker is down, obviously, and Giants starts celebrating. Um, Refs in the fields, referee and officials come out to help look up the make sure Taker's okay, make sure that Giants no way near him. Uh, Gurney's taken out, and then Giant Coltham chokeslams the match referee just out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and then, um, what I found weird as well is that the, child, the crowd starts chatting for Hogan. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, like they, they knew that his night wasn't over. Yeah, um, I, I think Hogan had the other plans. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, take his ticket to the back. Um, but he's not in the back for long because the bell dongs and Higgins comes out trying to be stopped by Bearer. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, he comes out and he gets his revenge on Gonzalez. And, I mean, the, you, you can say that the upside here is that it, um, you know, it sets up their, the continuation of their feud so Undertaker can get a clean victory later down the road. Um, again, with the referee inconsistency, it, it doesn't make sense that the Undertaker can come back and assault his opponent, but then security prevents Gonzalez from fighting back. Um, yes, I, I, I just remember that now. I, yeah, I remember that because the, the security, security goes, well, pretty much take it, goes in the top, and does clothesline him three times, and then Giant probably does the worst bump ever. Yeah. He goes down really, really slowly. And that's when the security arrived to escort him out. And uh, the Fink announces take off the winner. Yeah. And then he goes, well, for what? And I think to myself, are you serious? Yeah. Uh, when I last checked, usually chloroform is illegal. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much the match. It's seven and a half minutes. It's not great. No, it's not. Um, um, it was, you know... Um, sorry, go Well, nothing, I mean... Nothing compared to, I mean, it, it makes the Undertaker-Kamala stuff from earlier 1992 look like an instant classic. Um, and it's a reminder that, the, you know, the, the ineffectiveness and the confusion from uh, creative is, uh, it's nothing new. I mean, there, was, there were some head-scratchers back, back then. It is very, it seems to be very lazy-booking. We're talking about all the time the matches end in nefarious means. There's interference all of the time. There's people cheating, um, especially with especially with the main event and with. I know Hogan's a good guy, but it does seem like a bit of a screw job because yeah, at the end, um, I remember um, I I listened to uh, West Better podcast about the main event for WrestleMania Nine. And Sawyer Paul compares WrestleMania to be a WCW show because all like hardly good guys win. Yeah. Um, most of the people, except for like the take the match we just talked about, have at some point been members of the NWO, um, ended the screw job with Hogan on top, which kind of makes no sense. Yeah. To me, um, but from 
me, especially when I was younger, because because we didn't have the means to watch uh, wrestling regularly at my house. I just watched it on old videotapes that we got. And I remember when when WWE magazine came out, well, West, just after WrestleMania United, he's Hogan, you know, with the title. And I think to myself, Alan, didn't you leave? Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the first time I, obviously the first time I saw it was, it's Hogan's last match in the Universal Commerce at WrestleMania 8, and, and the team Hogan again, until I saw it on, on the magazine cover. So that was really unusual thing for me at that age. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so that's pretty much the match of the match. Um, WrestleMania 11 doesn't get much better. No, no. I mean, there's th- um, there's not a ton good to say about this. I should one I should clarify from earlier that um, uh, SummerSlam '92 obviously was was outdoors at Wembley Stadium, and that yeah. was kind of the that was a, a much that show visually resembled some of the modern WrestleManias with the huge crowds, you know tens of thousands, you know, I think they had something like 80,000 people, and that's actually the first Undertaker entrance that was kind of a a separate special thing where you had a, a vintage hearse, but that uh, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't a WrestleMania, so this is the first WrestleMania to kind of test those bounds. Yeah, because I, I remember, I've never seen in years, but I remember SummerSlam, you had the LOD come out with the motorbike. Right. And, um, you know, Entrances as well, because especially with uh, the main event, you had the boss of Lennon's Lewis come out to uh, with the flag for the Bulldog and things like that. Right. Um, so, yeah, um, that's what I said. Not much to talk about this match. Um, so, um, Scott, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Star of Savage. Uh, there is where you will find links to my writing on the Irresistible Force versus Immovable Object blog. Uh, and also, I link to um, the Atomic Elbow, uh, where I—that's a print-only product, but it's available uh, for purchase online and all over the world. That's uh, AtomicElbow.blogspot.com, and that has link to the shopping site. But I, uh, Star of Savage on Twitter, is where you will find me pretty much uh, daily, <laughs> and uh, I, I freely shill all of my stuff uh, in that venue. For me, uh, you can catch me on my uh, blog, which is lowdownwrestling.blogspot.co.uk or .com. Just um, focus on pay-per-view reviews at the minute, um, and hopefully after WrestleMania, I'll start doing more opinion pieces on that stuff. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at lowdownwrestling, and if you've got any questions about Don't Take the Street in general, um, I would send me a tweet or email me at lowdownwrestling at gmail.com thank you again Scott for being on the show sure thanks for having me and we'll catch you next time where it's part 4 of our podcast series where we talk about the match with King Tom Bundy at Wrestlemania 11 thanks again okay that's it